Uh, welcome. Good morning. Yes, you all are very quiet. I don't know what the snow did to you, but uh, for those of you who made it here, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, yesterday, I, I don't know what kind of storm you would call it, but everything was just sideways. It felt like the whole world was just sideways. It was quite, quite amazing. Um, we are into our third week of this uh, support group. Um, Evan, are you in here, Evan? No. He just likes doing announcement and then leaving. So he doesn't like me when I talk. So that's fine. Just a joke. But um, I'm assuming Evan announced like the changes that are, that are coming. Uh, so, okay, anyway, the change is coming uh, in terms of what we can do. So next week there'll be uh, some music. We, we're going to do this hybrid. We want to finish out this five-week series and actually doing the support group aspect of it because I think it's been very helpful getting to process together. Uh, also, I just want to warn you ahead of time that we're going to break up into uh, groups uh, after my, my portion is done, and so um, it's not just going to be like back and forth uh, this way today, but we're going to discuss amongst ourselves in different groups. But we're talking about uh, submission and surrender today, so let me pray, and we'll get going with this. Uh, God, thank you so much uh, for the way that you are, are teaching us to uh, surrender to you. Uh, for those who might be here and don't yet know you, uh, they might know about you, uh, but they don't, they don't know you yet. Uh, I pray that today would be the day where they do, that you would convince them of who you are and what you've done, and that you would open up the, the eyes of their heart and their ears to hear uh, you speaking to them. Thank you for what Paula just shared. Uh, thank you for the way that you have been working uh, deeply in her, her heart. I wish that she could have shared so much more uh, this morning because you have her on this uh, wonderful trajectory of continuing to surrender uh, herself to, to you. Thank you for that work. Thank you for the work that I know you're doing in so many here. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the lives of those who aren't uh, here with us uh, this morning and are on live stream and for the work that you're doing in uh, the different locations of Church 21. Uh, we pray that you would do a deep work in the city of Montreal and that this would be a city known as those who surrender to Jesus. So we love you and need you for everything. Amen. All right, let's get some talk back and forth for a moment. What comes to mind when you hear the word submission? Yell it out. Islam, okay? That was not on my paper at all. Uh, always surprised by Stephen. All right. What comes to other people's minds when uh, we say the word submission? Weak. Weak, okay? So yell it out. Submitting is a test. Submitting is a test? Yeah. Yes. Okay, a test? Obeying. Obeying, all right. I heard something in right field. Fear? Okay, yes? I love it. We rarely have two people talking at the same time. I love it, all right? Uh, let's go with this side, whoever said on that side first. An essay. an essay, yeah. So submitting a, a piece of work. I know that creates like trauma and a tick in some of you when you hear that. Um, what was the other one? Limitations, yes. All right, you guys are, you're all onto something. So being a student, um, maybe a dog. We have a dog that I don't know how old he is now, 15, 16 months. Like submitting is not really a thing for him yet. Uh, an artist, you might do a, a piece and submit it. Uh, mixed martial arts, you might put someone in a, in a arm bar to submit them and cause them not want to start. You might be a soldier forced to submit even against the things that you want to do but have to do because of your job. But surrender or submitting, I'm going to use those terms back and forth this morning, is really an act 
of willingly giving up control into the hands of the other. Submission to surrenders is an act of willingly giving up control into the hands of the other. Because ultimately, you don't have to surrender to anyone, right? You can take it to the utmost extreme where you die or you get locked up inside some place you're never going to get out of. At that point, you do surrender. But up until that point, you, you have the opportunity to willingly give up control into the hands of the other. And as you do, you really hope that it's a good master, you hope that whoever you're submitting to or surrendering to is going to be good. Now, Paula actually brought this up, but we, we are all people who submit. Even the most rebellious amongst us, you all submit and surrender to someone. Bob Dylan wrote a song called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And he says, now it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And so who do you submit to? Who do you submit to? Yes, good answer. That's the answer we want this morning. But who do you submit to? Because it's one thing to say with our lips. And, and Paula did the, said this in her story, right? It's easy to say with your lips that, yes, of course I surrender this part of my life to God. But these parts of my life are completely on my own. So the question that we ask is, who or what do we submit to? Who or what do we submit to? Uh, it's tax season, so some of you are going to submit your stuff to your financial planner or your tax person, accountant. Um, do you submit to your, your spouse if you're married? Do you submit to a boss? Some of you submit to a coach. Uh, but ultimately, this is going to be about, about God, specifically Jesus. And this is what differentiates Christianity from other, every other major religion, because Every other religion talks about some sort of God or higher being, and some get very abstract as we talk about God, where Christianity doesn't just talk about God, but focuses in on the person of Jesus. And so we talk about Jesus, and this is what differentiates Christianity from Islam or Judaism, that we're very specific about the person of Jesus. And there are many other differences as well. I'm overly simplifying it this morning. But what I want to do is I want to look at the, the text that Renee read for us and look at these two men, Saul and Ananias. Ananias. I always think it's Ananias, but it's not. Ananias. Look at their two prayers of submission and then talk about ours as we go along. Okay? It doesn't really matter if you say okay because that's what I'm going to do anyway. It's what's on my paper. Um, so prayer we're going to talk about prayers. Prayer is really a conversation with God. Some of us like to get really fancy with our prayers. Like my grandfather, um, he, uh, he prayed like it was a King James Bible. I don't know if you know what King James is, but think Shakespeare. So when we would sit down, I, I lived with my grandparents for a few years as an adult, and it was like, thine God, thouest art the greatest. And I'm like, I have no idea what we're talking about, right? I get lost in that. Uh, but prayer is simply a conversation with God where you can be real with God, where you can open up and talk to him about whatever you want. It can take all kinds of forms, but prayer is primarily speaking with God. So let me tell you about Saul. Acts chapter 9, Acts is a book in the New Testament. Bible's broken up into two big chunks. First chunk is Old Testament. Starts with creation and moves on through some of the great promises of God when he would send someone to rescue us. And then the New Testament starts with the, the, the sending of this rescuer, specifically Jesus. And it, and it gets into the first 
hundred years of church history, but primarily looking at what Jesus did and then what the Spirit of God did. So we bump into this guy named Saul. You might not know him as Saul. You might know him as Paul. He gets renamed later as Paul. So Saul was a Jewish man, a very devout Jewish man. He had the right CV, the right pedigree, born in the right family, had the right lineage. Like he was the legitest Jew that you could be. He had everything going for him. He memorized large chunks of the Old Testament. He was a teacher, right? He had, his future was great. And he loved God so much that he wanted to remove this new movement called the way. And it was all these people who are now following Jesus because Paul or Saul did not believe that Jesus was the rescuer who was coming. He thought it was a conspiracy theory, false information, fake news. And it was on Saul's heart to remove this whole movement of followers of Jesus. And so that's what he was on about. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, Listen, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Saul just watched a stoning happen. Uh, Stephen preached about that last week. Uh, actually, the guy who got stoned was named Stephen. And so uh, Saul kind of held everyone's jackets and like gave the nod as this guy was dying. And Saul submitted his plans to go kill, well, to imprison, but most likely would lead to death. He submitted the plans to go get these people and drag them to Jerusalem to the religious leaders. You have to see Saul's heart. That he really believed that he was doing what he was doing for God. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm doing this for God. And it's like everyone else sees this is not for God. Right? I, I recently heard of a woman who uh, had her two children in the back seat. And she was testing God. And so she decided she was going to drive her vehicle as fast as she possibly could. And she was going to remove her hands from the wheel because God had told her to do this. And she was doing this for him to show him how much she trusted him. What do you think happened to the woman? She got into an accident and was fine. But they took her to jail because as she shared the story, they're like, that's not okay. You can't put your two kids in the back seat, drive as fast as you want, take your hands off the wheel, and claim Carrie Underwood told you to do it. Right? It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. But he thought he was submitting to God, and he was on his way to decimate God's new movement. But as he was going on his way to Damascus, he was forced to pray. He was forced to pray. Listen to what happened. Acts 9, uh, verse 3. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. You see, most prayers start with us. When I wake up in the morning, that's when I, that's when I, I pray for the first time of the day. And it starts with Lord, or Jesus, or Dad, right? I begin the prayer. This is not how this prayer meeting started. It pray, the prayer meeting started with the heavens opening up and a bright blinding light being there. And then Jesus starts the prayer meeting. Listen to what he says in verse 4. 
Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul wants to know who it is that's speaking. So he says in verse 5, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And this is so interesting because in a very real sense, like Saul is doing what, what a dog does when an alpha dog walks in the room, just kind of tucks his tail. Immediately, the first thing that he says is, Lord, Lord. And I, I assume that most of us would say Lord at that moment. If you see the heavens opening up and blinding lights showing, you're going to start saying things of submission. Because all of a sudden you find out that you're not really in control. So we go on in verse 5 of Acts 9. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Who are you, Lord? Well, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. If you're Saul and you're on your way to kill or at least imprison the people of Jesus, and Jesus shows up through a blinding light opening up the heavens, what do you think is about to happen to you? You're going to die. Like, it's not going to go well. Or at least something epic's going to happen. Like, there'll be some sort of force field that you can't go through, right? Something is going to transpire. You expect smiting to happen. Or smoting or whatever, however it is. But instead, Jesus calls a prayer meeting with him. Jesus calls a prayer meeting with him. Listen to what he does in verse 6. Verse 5, it says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Like you're coming after me. When you go after my people, you're going after me. And then he says, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Rise and enter the city and you'll be told what to do. Now this is puzzling to me. Hopefully you read scripture at a, at a pace where you can stop and say, that, it's kind of weird. Like, Jesus, why did you have him go on to the city to find out information? Why didn't you just deal with him right then and there? Why didn't you tell him what you needed to tell him in that moment? You didn't need to let things just carry on. But oftentimes Jesus organizes life so that others get input. So that it's not just him working with you or with me, but that others get to be involved in that work as well. And that Jesus would use you to work in the lives of others as well. That Jesus builds his body together where he uses others. Right? If I have an itch, it's like my hand that scratches the itch. That so Jesus being the head of the body, the body being the church, Jesus orchestrates everything that's going on, but likes to allow for us to minister to one another and use our gifts and abilities that he has given to us. He involves others. So Jesus says, I want you to go into the city. And what does Saul do? Verse 8 says, Saul rose from the ground. Although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand, there were other people there, and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Blind. Submission begins to happen when we're unable to lead ourselves towards what we think is right. Or when we're unable to lead ourselves at all. In a very real sense, Saul is learning to submit again but in a different way than he submitted before. By him claiming Lord, 
He's acknowledging where his heart really is. That Paul, Saul, I, I'm going to keep messing it up, okay? Same guy, all right? Um, he wanted to serve God. He wanted to do what brought God glory. He wanted to live in submission to him. And this is what we need to understand as, as we think about prayers of submission. As we pray prayers of surrender, all of those prayers need to start with, Lord. And it sounds so simple, but when we claim that he is Lord, what we're claiming is that I am not. When we say, Lord, we're saying, you're in charge, I'm not. When we say, Lord, we say, I want what you want, even though I might not want it right now. And would you please change me to be about what you want to be about. And as we get into other people's prayers of submission, we have to stop and then ask ourselves, is, is that us? Do we have this relationship with the God of everything where we want him actually to be Lord? Not just, not just in word, but in, in our hearts, in our motivations. Our heart is a motivational factory. That's where, that's where the real you is. It's not with what you say. It's what goes on down here. You can play all you want. That's why Jesus says, in, in the last days, many will say, Lord, Lord. But Jesus says, I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because it was just Lord with your mouth, not with your heart. You don't actually want for me to do what I want to do. You want to, to manipulate other people and, and you want to try and even manipulate me. That's, that's how strange our hearts can get. That we think that we can manipulate God and put him into the arm bar of submission and get him to do what we want. So are you willing to let Jesus change everything about you? It's like, yeah, 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 I've heard this question. No, I know. But are, are you really? Are you willing to allow for Jesus to take the trajectory that your life has been on up until today, February 20th, 2022, and Jesus says, today is a day that I want to change the course for you. You thought you were doing this, and I'll use Paula. You thought that you were doing business, but I, now I want to change the course. Or you thought that you were going to be a musician, but today I want to change the course. Or you thought that you were going to be, whatever it is, today I want to change the course. You thought you were going to live in Montreal forever, but today I want to change your course. Are you willing to let him change everything? Let me, let me read to you about this guy, Paul. Uh, Philippians, another book in the Bible. Paul, it's, it's a letter from Paul to the church in Philippi. Listen, listen to what he says about himself. In verse 4, if anyone has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, circumcised on the eighth day. Now, you're like, okay, that's a weird brag moment. But in Judaism, that, that was a legit moment, okay? Like, you're, you're okay. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul is saying that my life, my life was as good as it can be as a religious leader. My future was extremely bright. And then listen to what he says after he met Jesus. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss 
for the sake of Christ. That's Paul's way of saying, I was living this type of life and then Jesus showed up and he changed course and I said, I want him. I want him. In verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. And that word rubbish is the closest thing to a swear word in the New Testament. That's how much garbage Paul thinks about the stuff that he's been going after in comparison to seeing Christ. Paul was radically changed. He's radically changed. Is there something you're fighting Jesus on? And why? You're not going to win. And whatever it is that you think you need to push through to get, that's not what's best for you if that's not what he has for you. Don't go about getting some of the things that Jesus even wants to give you your own way. Don't be impatient about that. And I know that's hard to say, right? Just be patient. No, I, I get it. But it's going to, your, going to God constantly saying, I, I really want this. You know that, right? Yeah, 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 I know. Be patient. Be patient. Look to me. I, I'm the reward. I'm the one of surpassing value, not that thing. And sometimes we put those things out in front of us, whether it's the degree, the spouse, the job, the house, the, the vacation, the boat, the whatever. And we think when I get that, finally... I'll have value, meaning, and purpose. But you won't. That house will bring you so much emptiness. That spouse, no matter how good they are, cannot be your God. And if you make your kids your gods, no God should ever poop their diapers, right? We just make the wrong thing gods. Is there something that you're fighting him on? Let that go this morning. Let that go this morning. Now, let me get into the second person quickly. Ananias. Ananias, in, in chapter 9, verse 10. I don't know what Ananias was doing. Hanging out, having a latte, reading the Old Testament scroll. I don't know. But we find out in verse 10. Saul's being blinded. Okay. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. Right? Nothing more. Just calls his name. He said, here I am, and there's a word again, Lord. Here I am, Lord. This disciple had no idea what was coming. You ever read a book or watched a movie, and the people in the city are celebrating, and there's an army coming, and then you see something happen, so the army never actually gets to make it to the city to destroy the city, right? And the people in the city don't know any better. That's what was going to happen to Ananias. He was going to get dragged off to Jerusalem and imprisoned, but Jesus is protecting him. Saul was on his way to get guys like him. But then Jesus has another prayer meeting. And he just starts it by saying, Ananias. And then the same response from Saul comes out, Lord. And this submission, this moment of submission is so beautiful. Here I am. That's not just like, you found me, hide and seek, here I am. It's, I'm here ready for whatever it is that you want. I'm here to serve you. I'm ready to do whatever. And again, is this you? When the Lord speaks to you this morning, is, is your response, Lord, here I am. 
Lord, here I am. I'm ready, present, available, and I want to be in on whatever it is that you're doing, no matter what it costs me. Remember, not here, but here. Then listen to verse 11 and 12. The Lord said to Ananias, rise, like put down your latte, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now, if you're Ananias, you would have heard about Saul. You would have heard about this guy that you didn't know he was on his way to kill you or imprison you, but you would have heard that he's ravaging the way, the the church. So what would you think? What would you think if Jesus comes to you and says, hey, go ahead, Get up, stop what you're doing, and go and pray for the persecutor, like the persecutor of the church. What goes on in your mind? Please no. (laughs) Pretty please. I'll do anything else. What else? What goes on in your mind? Yeah, I'm going to die. Yeah, might want to do a little test, right? I, we just got a hot tub and I do these pH tests all the time. It's like, I'm going to put out some water and see if you can turn it violet and then turn it back again. And if you do, then, then I'll be in. Were you, were you going to say something, Harrison? Yeah, this is suicide. Yeah, this is suicide. I, me, I would say, I don't want to. I don't like this guy. Why do you like him, Jesus? Doesn't seem like a very nice guy. Why do you want this non-nice guy on your team? Listen to what happens in verse 13 and 14. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here is authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. You see, if we put ourselves in that place of Lord... We're never going to go to pray for for Saul. We're going to say, you know what? I just don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. I don't like this guy. That's suicide. I have a, a, a side hustle that I need to work on on my day off. Like, I'm just not going. And if we're Lord over our own lives, then we'll continuously say these things for our entire lives. And we'll, we'll chalk it up to it being an unwise move. We're smart enough to reason out why to disobey, to make it sound like obedience. Some people are stingy with their resources because they want to be good stewards. I'm like, no, you're cheap. You're just cheap. Right? We make it sound so nice. We let our plans so often get in the way of of the things that, that God actually wants for us to do. But look at what Jesus wants in verse 15 to 16. The Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Ananias, you get up and you go. I'm going to use that man to change the world's. And Ananias, I'm going to let you be the one that gets to go in and lay your hands on him and pray for him. 
We have these immense privileges that we try and get out of because it just might not go the way that we wanted it to go. Of course it's not going to go the way that you want it to go. You're not God. You haven't been, we haven't been lining everything up since the foundations of the earth. He interrupts our selfishly um, scheduled broadcast to call us into something that's a great privilege. Right? Imagine Ananias' story. Right? Ananias, tell that story again. Right? That was his one story. His I walked on the moon story. If you ever seen Brian Regan, you know what I'm talking about. But like his story ended all dinner parties. Right? I prayed for, for Saul. I prayed. I got to pray for Saul. And what does Ananias do? Verse 17. I'm ruining the story. But here it is. Ananias departed and entered the house. Right? Might have peed his pants a little bit, but just a little. Departed, entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, wow, like you're already my brother in Jesus. You're already family. Right? The work that went on in Ananias' heart from Jesus, I think this is a really bad idea, to going, laying hands, Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He went and did what Jesus asked him to do. Why? Because Ananias saw Jesus as Lord. Jesus was the true prime minister of Ananias' heart. Didn't matter what any other authority was saying. It just mattered what Jesus was saying. You see, and this is what prayers of submission do. When you begin to pray, Lord, and I really mean it, Lord, I want to be behind you and what you're up to. Prayers of submission lead to lives of submission. It's not rocket science, is it? Prayers of submission lead to lives of submission because all of a sudden it's not about what you and I think is a good idea. And when Jesus speaks to us, We do it because he's Lord of all. You see, when we pray, uh, Lord, Lord, um, no longer are our hearts clamoring for the I don't feel like it. No longer do our hearts manipulate and make excuses so that we get out of things. See, submission is us recalibrating our lives around what Jesus is doing right now. Right now. I believe that Jesus speaks to us right now. Not just then. Not these blinding light moments. Not these midst of your latte, go do this. But, but right now, we gather together and we sit under the, the word of God. We, we sit under this because we believe that he speaks through this and uses his spirit to change us. And oftentimes, submission is not comfortable. I've never heard a mixed martial arts fighter who's in an arm bar, whose elbow is about to snap up this way, being like, this is awesome. So good. Like, do it more. Right? Submission is never comfortable. It never is. It's often uncomfortable, but what happens in submission is that scales fall off of eyes. Uh, In verse 18, Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, 
he was strengthened. I just, I just love that Jesus doesn't do all this in the midst of nowhere. He allows for there to be witnesses. He allows for Ananias to be a witness to this and get to participate in, in Jesus' work. Let me wrap up with these few thoughts. We're, we're so often, or we're often so short-sighted and forgetful, aren't we? Right, right about this time, many of us start to think about lunch or brunch or, you know, I have to do this this afternoon. We're, we're so short-sighted and forgetful. And we forget that submitted and spirit-led lives are what God desires. We forget that. You know what brings God a, a lot of glory? Is when we wake up in the morning or at any time during the day and we just say, Here, like, here's my life. Here I am. Like, what do you want to do? Or Spirit of God, would you please lead me today? Would you help me to live a, a holy life? And would you uh, let me participate in doing good works, not for my glory, that people would applaud me, but that they might ask, what, why are you doing this? And I might get to tell about who you are. Would you, would you let me live more like Jesus today than I did yesterday? That, that brings God a lot of glory because it shows that we're submitting to him, that we're needy, that we're not looking at ourselves in the mirror saying carpe diem every day, like we're going to go out and do it. Because you, you have no idea what's going to happen today. And the Lord's like, he doesn't say hold my beer, right? He doesn't. But culturally, that would be something you would say, right? Let me go do something greater. I'm going to unite all things together in me. This is his plan. This is what we're a part of. And we often let our feelings or our plans or our excuses get in the way. We might even try and run away. But if you know the story of Jonah, which I don't have time to go into this morning, you know that doesn't work so well, right? You try and run away from the Lord. He, he's going to get you, not, not in the way that he's like waiting to harm you, but he's going to get you because he wants for you to have his heart. He wants to change and transform you. So as we go into a time of, of reflection and conversation about this, let me say these things. Let, let Jesus be Lord today. You're a really bad Lord. I don't know your story, but I can, I can say that you're a really bad Lord. You don't have what it takes to even lead your own life. And that's, that's a comforting thing. Don't let that be a depressing thing. That's a comforting thing that you don't have to put the weight of the world, let alone your world, on your own shoulders. You're free from that. Jesus went to the cross to take our rebellion onto himself to die and, and pay a penalty that you and I could never pay, a debt we could never get out of with God so we should never have relationship with him. Jesus did all that for you. And then he rose from the dead and then he does what he does with Saul. Now maybe he doesn't open up the heavens and like blind you, 
but he speaks to your heart and allows for you to understand who he is. And then he commissions you onto his mission. Let him be Lord. Sometimes we let the fears and concerns of this moment get in the way of participating in, in something that's going to last for an eternity. Have you ever done something that was really, really hard for a weekend? Maybe you've run a marathon uh, or something like that, or a 5K which felt like a marathon, or a 1K that felt like a marathon, or whatever. And you're just like, this thing is never going to be over. You know, and, and then when you finish it, you look back and you're like, that wasn't that bad. I mean, I broke my leg, but it wasn't that bad, right? It'd be okay. But it wasn't that bad. And Paul actually says that the, the suffering, the momentary afflictions of this life compared to eternal riches with Jesus, they're going to be nothing. They're like the little, the little sore toe that you don't even remember at the finish line. I just finished reading The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I'm going through all the, all the Narnia books again. They've been so helpful for my mind, imagining something other than lockdown. Um, but The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, there's, there's a boy named Eustace, right? And Eustace, uh, uh, he would be a fun boy to have around, wouldn't he? If you know the story, you're like, I don't want a friend like Eustace. But oftentimes... Eustaces are around, and we love them. Um, but Eustace actually uh, goes off on his own, and, uh, and he sees a dragon, and this whole thing happens, which you need to read the book to find more about that. But Eustace wakes up a dragon. Right? How do you wake up a dragon? I don't know, but he does. And he can't change himself. And the harder that, that he's trying to be Lord over himself and ripping off layers and scratching off layers of dragon, there are just more layers of dragon underneath. And then Aslan is there. And Aslan says, you're going to have to let me take off your dragon skin. I don't remember the exact quotes, but it's, it's going to hurt. Like it's going to be painful. But submission to Aslan allows for Eustace to go back, not just living as he did before, but as a completely changed boy. That the dragon had been ripped out of him. And now people actually enjoyed having him around. He was changed. He was transformed. Why? Because he submitted to Aslan. Allow yourself and your heart to submit to Jesus. It'll be painful at times. But there's no one else who has our best in mind that we can submit to. So our questions that we want to discuss, is there an area of life that you won't let Jesus be Lord over? Is there an area of life that you just won't let Jesus be Lord over? And why? Is there an area of life you won't let Jesus be Lord over? And why? And the positive question is, what area did you think that you couldn't let Jesus be Lord over, but you gave yourself to that, and the outcome was amazing? The outcome was amazing. So there's an area where you, you, you can't or you're refusing to submit to Jesus as Lord, and that, that's pretty vulnerable, isn't it? That's okay. No one's here to judge you. No one's going to look down on you because we all have the same issues. And if people are, are lying or, or saying, no, that's not, that's not me, well, then they have more issues than you do, all right? More layers of dragon, maybe. Is there an area that, that Jesus wants you to submit in, but that you just won't? And the positive, 
a time where Jesus wanted you to submit, you, you did, and how that, how that went. You see, he's inviting you into his change project where he is changing everything. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll go into uh, these, these groups and conversation. Jesus, thank you that you do change. I, and I know, I know what's coming. I know that people are going to be super uncomfortable. If I were not the one organizing it, I would be too. Um, and that's okay. We can just embrace the, the discomfort because you're with us, you're present, you're active, and you want to change us. Pray that, Jesus, that you would bring to mind right now, not, not in a, um, you're not going to bring this to mind in a way that's, that's bringing on guilt and shame, but bring to, to mind an area that, that we're not letting you submit or we're not letting our hearts submit to you in. It might be our future. It could be our job. It could be um, our family situation. Uh, it could be forgiveness. It could be a whole host of things. But what's an area that we're not, we're not submitting to you in and that you want for us to submit to you? In? And then would you please remind us of a time where we gave ourselves to you and we said, here I am. Here I am. And, and you led us into something that we could never have imagined. So we thank you that you always do what is good, right, and true. Would you help us to process this stuff well? Would you help us to really be the church, not just consume church content, not uh, go to church, but that we would be the church. We would encourage one another, build one another up. I pray that um, any words of discouragement uh, would be removed, uh, that, that you, Spirit, would be speaking about who we are in Christ and that we, we have um, an identity that cannot be changed. So we love you and we need you for everything. Amen.